Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, this was a fun interview. It was kind of based off of a tweet that, or inspired by a tweet that you put out that Loop Ring Pay, we might as well just call it the Lightning Network. Uh, no, I respond- Loop Ring Network. Yeah, Loop Ring Network, but I, I responded with, highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. but I'm willing to learn more. And uh, my suspicions were confirmed. They are building something cool. They are building something open source and permissionless on Bitcoin, or sorry, Ethereum. on Ethereum. But with that being said, it's not the Lightning Network, guys, like ETHs. The Lightning Network is thousands of individual node operators writing their own hardware and software geographically distributed across the world and they're creating a payment uh, a payments network. I have yet to see anything on Ethereum that resembles it at all. Yes, Lightning Network is so early. Yes, it has its pitfalls. Yes, it doesn't have as much Bitcoin on it as you know some other places that have Bitcoins. But you know, there's a lot of Bitcoin on databases too. So um, I don't know. This it was it was good to dive into Loopring and learn more about it. But like, educate yourself on Lightning too. Don't get blindsided. Yeah, so I obviously it's it's apples to oranges, right? So like the the Lightning Network is this like opt-in system where you can uh, hop into and out of the network as any uh, freely, right? And then Loopring uh, has a bunch of different ways to, s- to set up a L2 uh, network that achieves very similar things, right? And so like when Ethereum people are comparing Loopring to Lightning Network, it, what they're really comparing is like, the outcomes, like the results, the impact upon the users. But like, if you actually wanted to get into the, into the details of the protocol, like Loopring and Lightning are, are totally different, right? Um, and so like the Loopring exchange that uh, is run by the centralized team is run by a centralized uh, server, right? It, it's the server does the matching, uh, the matching engines and manages the order books and stuff like that. But it also is completely non-custodial and has all the same trust, trustless guarantees as Ethereum, right? And so I think that the the important conversation and the important points to keep in your head as you listen to this is like, do we need hyper decentralization, right? Or do we need do we need to just uh, keep um, do the things, the minimum viable things that allow for the things that we want to have happen in our products? while sacrificing some sort of uh, censorship, right? And so like uh, the, some nation state could go to the loopering team and tell, you, tell them to shut down their node, shut down their server, and that would break the exchange, but no one would actually be harmed except for the fact that they wouldn't have their exchange to, to trade on anymore. They would just withdraw their funds and somebody else could, could spin up an alternative exchange with the same loop, loop ring code. Um, so there, there are spectrums here. There are, are things to weigh pros and cons. Um, uh, and we're really going to see like how how maximally decentralized do we need these things? Like, does it need to be nuclear level decentralization like Lightning Network, or does it need to just ha- have user protections, really strong user protections? So I think we'll I think we'll see. Before we get into the interview, let's talk about our sponsor. You know who it is? It is Alto IRA. Um, the deal with Alto IRA is they are an alternative IRA provider. So you can take alternative assets and put it into an IRA or Roth IRA account and save money on taxes. You can defer your taxes or only pay taxes one direction. That's what an IRA does. 
It's a savings investment account. And with Alto IRA, they have partnered with Coinbase in order to enable you to put crypto into an IRA account uh, with the Alto IRA crypto IRA. You can trade Bitcoin, you can buy Bitcoin, you can hodl it, you can hodl any other crypto that Coinbase offers inside of Coinbase and with the Alto IRA account, and you can save on taxes. This mostly or especially applies to traders. You can use Alto IRA in order to you know, defer all those short-term capital gains from your active trading strategy and you know only pay them once so check out alto ira at altoira.com backslash pov crypto again that is alto ira backslash pov crypto um, and make sure to use our link so that way they know we sent you there and let's get right into the episode with matt finestone of Ubring. Welcome to POV Crypto, everyone. We are here to learn about Loopring. It is, maybe Matt can tell us more about it, but from my understanding, it is a decentralized exchange that uses ZK rollups on Ethereum, uh, and they recently added payment infrastructure. They call it Loopring Pay. Matt, why don't you introduce yourself, what you do at Loopring, and then can give us the, the elevator pitch on what Loopring is. Sure. Thank you, CK. Thank you, David, for having me. Um, yeah, so what I do at Loopring is businessy stuff. Uh, I'm one of two non-engineers on the team, I guess you could say. It's hard to, we're about 20 people, um, 18 engineers, mostly in Shanghai. I'm in, uh, I'm not over there. I'm in Canada, but uh, yeah, just a, um, an Ethereum DEX protocol that's been around since uh, for three years now, almost exactly. Um, for the first year and a half of our life, we were just like standard vanilla decks, or the, the flavor was specifically off-chain order books, off-chain order messaging, settle the pair on chain. Um, uh, the, the easiest analog is zero uh, X style thing. What was interesting about us and where we get our namesake was um, these order rings that you could match uh, not just uh, you know one order book uh, like a like a two asset pairing, but you could go to n uh, intermediate um, assets to to get to what you want. Something which um, Gnosis has recently implemented. But yeah, but a, a year and a half ago we started saying, hey, we really want to scale because we have big ambitions and want to uh, take down centralized exchanges. And here we are, capable of doing two transactions per second, two to three transactions per second, and that's with like thinking we're doing a lot of stuff off chain and lightening the load and it was still uh, pitiful. So we started looking at scaling technologies and ZK rollups was what caught our eye. Uh, this was around, um, in my mind, it was like, it was really like DevCon Prague where the whispers started happening. And I remember being on the ground there and relaying it to the team. Um, yeah, but since then, so for the past year and a half, we've been focused on ZK rollups. We implemented the first ZK rollup on, uh, on Ethereum in December 2019, so already six months old. It's uh, it's crazy. It feels feels like yesterday. And um, yeah, we are a zk rollup exchange protocol. We allow other people to build exchanges on top of our protocol. It's an open source protocol. 
Um, we also, though, uh, we've only been protocol people our whole lives up until February, where we moved up the stack and built our own user-facing um, on the protocol. And as you just alluded to, we kind of implemented payments in that product as well, both in the protocol level and in our uh, product atop it. So that's what Loopring is. I'm still kind of figuring out how to best say this because our identity has changed. Uh, we were a DEX protocol. Now we're like a ZK rollup scalability. We kind of, I mean, I don't want to sound like, oh, we became so uh, big. It's certainly not the case, but we became, uh, you know, bigger than our original boots, uh, right? Not just dealing mm -hmm. with exchanges, but like really like ZK rollup uh, for, for tackling uh, Ethereum's biggest problems or biggest gas guzzles right now, which are trades and transfers. So we've kind of expanded our identity and that's what we are. So, yeah, so you guys have, you, you said you've been around for three, three or so years, uh, but ZK Rollups has not, right? ZK Rollups has maybe been around for a year. So has this really just been a journey of trying to discover what the best problems are and what the best solutions for this problems are? And can you kind of take us through that journey? Yeah, um, good point. Uh, I think, well, well, certainly ZK Rollups have been around longer than a year, but like, I also feel like it's been a year and you're, uh, uh, you know, perfectly uh, in line with everyone else who thinks that, but yeah, like Vitalik and Barry Whitehat, there's been like some ETH research posts uh, that predate that. Um, but yeah, we were, I mean, like our origin story is the fact that our founder, uh, Daniel Wang, like quite a, an experienced um, developer at, you know, normal style companies, he got into crypto and launched a centralized exchange in 2014 or 2015. And it wasn't that successful. I, I think it was based in Shanghai where he was. And he's like, okay, this, you know, isn't, you know, it's, it's not that cool compared to all the crypto, uh, you know, stuff that, that could, you know, capture the imagination. So he said, let, he got, you know, really involved in Ethereum and, and we, we launched Ethereum uh, Loopring Dex protocol, which as I said, our, our thing and our namesake, which still carries on was these order rings, which I used to really love. Yeah. Like, I mean, I used to really love that because it had this uh, philosophical, I used to tell people, oh, but we match things in, in rings, which could kind of like obviate the need for like a uh, money, right? Like you don't need to price things in DAI or ETH or Bitcoin. Like you need not have one quote currency that is like the social convention. You could go, you know, from, from whatever, token A to token B to token Z. And uh, our implementation was like N equals 16. And on a philosophical level, that was really cool. It's like, you don't need an intermediate money. You could just go from like what you have to what you want, uh, right? Like in, the, in, a, in a market um, where, where there was like no search costs. And anyway, so, so, that's, um, so that's what we were. We thought that would increase liquidity. It sounds right and it sounds nice, but um, it wasn't such a liquidity catcher. Uh, we never like really launched a product that was so like, okay, here we go. This is the flagship thing. Let's all, it was kind of like, we were still always building and still, we never thought we had like a centralized exchange killer on our hand to be clear, but um, yeah, scalability. Um, I'm not sure how it kind of, our CEO kind of tells the story that he's, uh, he said this on a recent, um, I think it was Epicenter, but you know, he asked the team, Hey, are you guys excited about what we're doing? And we're all like, nah, you know, like, you know, it's, it's cool, but we, we didn't think we were in the best competitive position and we were just gonna, you know, really, you know, crush it. Maybe we were. So ZK rollups, it just, uh, scalability, I shouldn't say ZK rollups at that point, scalability, we thought, okay, we need to be able to go fast, go cheap and, you know, compete. And 
that's what scalability was for us. It was a it was a tool to get to mainstream and volume and and stuff like that. That's what that's uh, where this path started a year and a half ago, halfway into our life. So one really important point that we want to get into is like mainly the trust factors of loopering, right? And so the instigation of this podcast was I tweeted out, uh, can we just start calling loopering network lightning network now? Uh, and that obviously is a, it's an inflammatory tweet. And so CK here was like, okay, well, let's, let's get somebody from, from loopering on to talk about and compare and contrast like the, the trust assumptions of lightning network versus the trust assumptions of loopering. So in what ways is loopering like, trusted, centralized, permissioned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or in what ways is it not? Right. Um, I'm glad for that inflammatory tweet because here I am. And uh, so loopering is a set of open source smart contracts on Ethereum and a set of open source zero knowledge circuits. Uh, that is the loopering protocol, some smart contracts and some zero knowledge circuits. Um, it is just rules that specify how to do some computations off chain that kind of get processed through this, you know, black box of these, of these zero knowledge circuits that spits out a verifiable thumbprint of everything that just happened. And it's smaller and it's compressed. And we put that on Ethereum, which is a verification layer that says, yep, that is a real proof. I could tell because of math, moon math, alien math, right all over my head, but the proof exists, it's validity proof. The, the computation was executed correctly. And actually, we also use it as a data availability layer. Like to be called a roll-up, it means like you're rolling up all these things off-chain, these like transactions off-chain. In, in our case, the largest number is like 4,096 of these things that we put into a box, compress them, and, and we put them, uh, we put the validity proof on chain. We also put a little bit of extra data. It's the technically speaking, it's like the because what's important there is we put the, the new Merkle root, right? This, uh, a ZK rollup, the state lives in a Merkle tree, which is just summarized succinctly by the Merkle root. And the Merkle root changes because account balances change. And we say the account balances changed in accordance with the protocol rules. No theft, no random trades at random prices. All signatures are there. And here's the new Merkle root. And here's the proof that says we got from the last one to the new one with following these rules. In addition to that, though, we put a bit of extra data. It's the deltas of the Merkle leaves, if you, of the individual transactions. We have to be able to map how one little uh, piece of, of this state went from this from from you know x to x one, uh, how how it went to, to the new one. So we put a bit of extra data, and that is what um, a roll up is. You know, there's been a lot of also you know Twitter inflammatory stuff about what's a roll up, what's a plasma. What's a, we have a new word now, validium. So uh, we put this extra little data on chain, which kind of like weighs us down, right? Instead of just putting the new Merkle root in the proof, we kind of have like an incremental cost with every transaction. It's like 300 gas to be specific. So it's a small incremental cost. Like, like the big publishing of, of the block is like, call it 300,000 gas. That, that, and that is amortized over 4,096 transactions. That's where we get our scaling efficiencies from aggregating and Putting like a fixed overhead cost, but a roll-up means we put this extra incremental cost that uh, on chain. So Ethereum is actually storing that that little bit of data, and that little bit of data. Like I don't want to go too into the weeds here, but it's it's um, you know just actually the most prominent point for for David's question is with that extra data on chain, 
anybody could assert that their balance is that little Merkel leaf in mm -hmm. the Merkel tree. Uh, you know, you know um, let's call it, um, you know, 0x427 is mapped to Merkel slot account ID number 1452. And I need to be able to say that is mine um, in the worst case scenario, when loop ring protocol builders go away or turn malicious, when the loop ring uh, application itself gets shut down or for whatever reason, or a, sta uh, a state level actor leans on somebody, um, all that needs to happen in the ZK rollup is Ethereum exists with all that little like extra baggage data I mentioned. So anybody could reconstruct a past state of the Merkle tree. There's enough puzzle pieces, little data in Ethereum where I could say, this was the state of the world five minutes ago before everybody ran away or you know got whatever, something bad happened or turned malicious. And this is the new, th that's the state of the world and that's my account. And I could submit what's called a Merkle inclusion proof just to Ethereum and retrieve my assets that are locked in that deposit contract. Um, so, so a ZK on the spectrum of layer two, and this is my these days. Like if you look at a lot of the research and cool comparison charts that are coming out these days, zk rollup is right on the the right side extreme, which in my side is security, no compromise to level to layer one security guarantees. Like whereas plasma optimistic rollups they, they're somewhere not strictly to the right zk rollup is at every fork in the road where there's a design decision it chooses security for the for the state transition is verified with the validity proof and the data is also kept on chain and for that it loses some scalability it can't run as fast as the others because it has a little extra heavier load um, and it loses some uh, generalizability and composability uh, just by virtue of the zero null, the circuits, which can't have arbitrary logic in them, too many constraints and, and whatnot. So, so that's what um, that's what the loop ring protocol is. Um, I don't know if I should pause there because there's a, another component which is really gets to the the heart uh, to CK's question of like what could and can happen, which is like the operator, the actual thing doing all this off-chain Merkle tree uh, snark generation stuff. That's that's a different part. That's like. The protocol needs it, but it's a different. Thing. So yeah, so, why don't why don't we jump into that, right? Because wait, you know, no, let's let's recap first, because okay. uh, I just want to I just want to clarify. So uh, there there's a transaction made that open that opens a a loop ring application or something that states what the rules of this off chain computation are going to do, right? And so it just it instantiates what the L two that is about to happen, right? And set, and commits to all future blocks of Ethereum that we are going to follow these rules and you'll be able to check these rules. Uh, and then a bunch of off-chain computation happens. And then is it, how often is, is it, is the off-chain computation published back to Ethereum? Is it once per block or once per 10 blocks or, or how does this work? Right. That's a key question. And that actually depends on the level of demand in our system. Um, there's no like hard coded rule okay. right like we prefer as like the, you know, so loopring.io mm -hmm. is the loopring exchange, which is built on the loopring protocol, but right. it need, forget like that. Let's call it like, you know, trustless state exchange.com. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and he's it's an application of your own protocol. Right. Um, but because we are the ones um, interacting with the protocol, gen doing all the off chain stuff, mm -hmm. we want to wait for the biggest block possible, the biggest ZK roll up batch possible. Mm -hmm. Right. 
our scalability comes from the fact that we're aggregating things and committing it with like a with like a compressed proof. We mm -hmm. want 4096 things to be in there and not 12 because mm -hmm. then our cost is not amortized right. as much. So right. the, you could like the protocol could say that no matter how big the batch size is, you need to submit the next block every four minutes because that's the cadence we like, mm -hmm. or the operator could have that ability to wait until literally 12 hours later, if that's when, if that's when they want to wait for their cheapest operational cost. Okay. So then, then, so something is published on some regular cadence back to the blockchain, but that isn't what you were talking about with that little extra bit of baggage. So I still haven't really mapped how that fits in. Sure. So that, that baggage is happening whenever there's like a, so the operator is, has taking the, these transactions, aggregating it, creates mm -hmm. the proof when they put that on chain. So they're putting on the new Merkle root mm -hmm. plus the snark proof. Mm -hmm. plus the extra baggage the data availability, the deltas, mm -hmm. it's all happening at once. There, there's not a time when they are, um, when they're doing one thing and not the other, you okay. can conceptualize it as like, whenever they're speaking to Ethereum, they're doing all three of these things. Uh, okay. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. So there's only one publishing event and that is on one cadence. Exactly. And okay. so to dive right into the heart of this matter of like what that, what, bad thing could happen is in that interim period of when the state of the world was published to Ethereum 45 seconds ago to mm -hmm. right now when like CK just like, you know, sold a lot of ether that is not final in that According is not to the L1. Uh, yeah, that is not Ethereum level uh, finality. I don't, some people may say that's not even final right away, whatever, the, but like that is that exists in the operators world where he is saying yep like that transaction where ck sold 100 ether or sent 100 ETH, right now we do payments that is just living in like the mempool of the the centralized operator and if he doesn't like ck um he could say like no i don't like this transaction i'm excluding it I don't, i'm excluding. so that is the biggest like what what bad thing could happen we could censor your transaction uh, we could exclude it. We could just, mm -hmm. we, we don't know who you are, but we don't like account ID number 1552, which maps to Ethereum address uh, uh, ck.eth. I'm not sure if that's the real one every day. I'm just making <laughs> that up. But, um, you know, so we, we suppress, we, we ignore it. And you're pissed, but you have the right to exit, right? That is our promise. That is mm -hmm. what ZK Rolls is. You don't, you always have your assets. Take them, leave mm -hmm. them. You're not happy with our service. Yeah, but we, we suppressed you, you know, live it. Of course, what's our deterrent not to do that is normal like business and reputation. Right. And right. we want to be loved and have users, um, but we could, um, we could ignore you. But let me just jump right into my own solution to that bad thing, or not my solution, but the protocol right now supports multiple operators. It doesn't need to be the monolithic loop ring aggregator. Uh, it could be a completely open system where people are publishing blocks according to some round robin scheme that mm -hmm. is dependent on a staking mechanic or literally just random. It could be like chaos and literally people are like front running each other to submit the next ZK rollup block. Uh, the reason why we indeed on loopring.io it's serviced by the loopring relayer or the loopring operator, a monolithic thing is because we don't think our users actually care much about the threat of censorship. 
mm -hmm. uh, right now. What they care about is the fact that their assets will always be there. That is our problem that we have bitten off right now. Um, and it's just a greater degree of difficulty to say, yep, uh, Loopring Exchange is serviced by infinite operators or, um, or you could also have a, a, like a, um, a medium style solution, like a moderate solution where it's like five whitelisted operators. So it's not everybody, but it's, it's David, CK, me, and two other guys. We're the only ones that could publish blocks. So if I censor CK, maybe the next person will let him in because he doesn't hate mm -hmm. him as much. So that mm -hmm. exists right now uh, at the protocol level. We implement our kind of own high powered operator because A, as I said, our users don't necessarily, aren't banging down the door saying, hey, I don't like the fact that you could censor my transaction, but also because we're just like better at it than likely what else is there. Like right, half of our team, people don't realize it. So half of the team kind of built those smart contracts and the zero knowledge circuits, like the protocol people. Um, and like Brecht, our chief architect, who I wanted to bring on the, the call with me for some extra technical ammunition, but uh, when you first tweeted, but then actually half of our team has built the relayer, the operator, this, this off-chain uh, Merkle tree handler and snark proof generator. That is a big part of the Loopring team. We have built it and we built it really good. And that is closed source to be, to be, uh, to be clear. That's a closed source implementation, but all it could do is annoy you by not servicing you. It mm. cannot steal your funds. So I guess this is where it kind of comes into play. Like, obviously this is extremely different than Lightning Network. Um, I'm curious, like we understand the protocol is there. People can build on the protocol. People, you know, can come up with any scheme or whatever to coordinate these effective ZK SNARK batches. Um, what what's the current state of the protocol? Is it just you guys? Are other people looking to uh, to build on top of this? Right. So, I'll say what you say. It's different than Lightning. It it, it it certainly is. But so Loopring Pay is like three weeks old. Okay, right. Like so, we basically had this exchange protocol, and then a lot of people were saying like, "Hey, you know, transfer fees are also getting up there. You know, gas prices are so high that like even transfer is." Uh, transfers are, are, are prohibitively expensive. Hey, Loopring, because we're the only live ZK rollathon. Hey, could you implement transfers? And we're like, yeah, we can. Like, why don't we? Right? And like, at, at the behest of community members, we, we, we said, um, okay, now there's, there's payments. This scheme of having of Loopring's application being serviced by one operator made sense in the exchange scenario, where high performance and censorship is not as, or where high performance is demanded and censorship isn't as where it is thing. With Loopring Pay, if somebody wants like remit a payment, it's, it's something more important for censorship resistance to be there. They need to transfer assets, they can't be blocked. It's, it's a more noble or potentially more noble cause than, than trading, speculation. I don't like necessarily, I don't like fully get behind that statement, but it's, it's a, right, like, a simple payment needs to have better security guarantees and being able to propagate. Oh, so in these past three weeks, we will open source. We will open source a lighter weight version of the operator that doesn't handle the trading, but just handles transfers. And it will be a multi-operator model. So it's true. You say it's not like the light, like it's not, you know, as robust as we'd want it to be right now. But now that payments are on our head for the first time, we say, yep, let's actually have it so anybody could submit blocks. Um, but so, so that's the state of it. We will open. And the other thing to keep in mind is like 
the relayer, the degree of difficulty to hosting the order book and updating the Merkle tree is a lot greater than the just simple transfers, right? Like it's, it's a hard problem for if us three wanted to service the Loopring exchange, we would have to coordinate our order books. When something happens on the order book, they have to be in sync. And it's like a hard, just like distributed, it's like a whole different set of problems. Like it's kind of like what zero X mesh is working on or whatever, like these, you know, eminently shareable like order books. Um, that's why it's good to have like a monolithic thing, keeping this payments or you just have somebody that's like, they don't need to maintain an order book. They just need to listen for a bunch of like requests to the, to the network and aggregate them and then submit that, that ZK rollup block. So it lends itself more to being open to anybody that doesn't have to run this like beast of a software machine, keeping the order book in line and stuff like that. They could just look out for payments. So, so all that to say, Loopring Pay is gonna be uh, an open operator thing. It, for those that want it, it'll be much more easy to be open and not have that censorship uh, potential risk. Um, yeah. So current status is ZK Roll protocol, open source and available. Uh, actual implementation of pay as well as exchange is currently in-house inside of a uh, closed source system. Uh, you guys are planning to release an open source uh, client for to enable pay. Uh, so far, you know, early stages, you know, no like network effects. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, that's a that's a good recap. One little thing. Uh, there's another DEX built on Loopring called WeDEX. Uh, Weedex.io, they're based in, in Shenzhen. They, they're another uh, Loopring ZK Rollup based exchange, but they also use our um, Relayer as a service. So we offer this Relayer as, you know, like the old business model of centralized exchange backend white labeling, let's say, right? If somebody wants to build a non-custodial high performance Ethereum based exchange, they could get started today by like calling the one function call that spins up like a kind of child DEX contract. But if they really want to get started today and not build this off-chain relayer, they could uh, engage with our relayer as a service as, as WeDEX is. So, so that's, a, that's a fair state. There's two exchanges built on Loopring protocol, loopring.io, WeDEX.io. There's one uh, relayer servicing it and with those plans for pay, as you say. I will say like pay has kind of like blown up the situation in terms of like people wanting to use the technology. We've been like exchange people our whole lives and then did this, this like kind of little side thing for payments and turns out that's what everybody wanted. <laughs> and like, or like, you know, is uh, really excited about. So wallets, DeFi portals, uh, things are saying, hey, can we harness Loopring Pay? So we're having those conversations now, whether they'll wanna- That's exciting. Use our relay or the service because it's more powerful. Yeah, so, so that's that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's exciting. And I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're being relatively fair. Um, I'm curious for uh, Loopring the Exchange, uh, do you guys KYC or is it KYC free? KYC free. Okay. So non-custodial and KYC free. Um, do you like, do you guys ever think about like jurisdictional arbitrage and like how, how to deal with that and how to like make sure you don't get forced to do KYC if you get any meaningful vol volume? Yeah, good question. Uh, on one of your recent episodes, I'm not sure who was with, but you're saying like you or your guest, one of the, one of the prior Matt's maybe was saying- It was um, Matt O'Dell. Okay, yeah, you're saying like, 
okay, look, people like this for regulatory arbitrage. Let's be real. That's what people use. That's a, it's a fair statement. Uh, it's absolutely fair statement. Um, yeah, we don't KYC right now. To be clear, somebody could, you know, you could build an exchange that does enforce KYC on Loopring. That's like a configurable part, right? You put up your on-ramp onto the roll-up is, is whitelisted and then you get enrolled. So, people, so at, 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 at the protocol level, um, it's agnostic. It, it, it could be run without KYC. It could be run with KYC at the protocol level. We are not, uh, to answer your question though, like do we think about that like jurisdictional hopping? We're not there yet. We're doing $500,000 to a million dollars a day in volume. Um, we don't have, we're not a team of, you know, necessarily compliance thinkers and, and stuff like, like that. Um, we, yeah, we, we, we're, we're not, we're not there yet. Loopring data. I'll tell you one, one maybe extra uh, helpful hint in this conversation is we actually open sourced the front end of Loopring exchange uh, two weeks ago. So the front end is an open source thing. If the front end got shut down for whatever reason, somebody could just put it back up there. Uh, it, we open source the front end. The one thing that is not, cannot be like respun up if it was leaned on or crushed for something is the relayer. If somebody, I mean, sure, we could technically spin up another instance in the cloud, right? All these things are just living in, in AWS or, or, or Google Cloud. Um, but uh, so it could be respun up, but it's, it's, it's obviously not Bitcoin level or Ethereum level. Uh, untouchability, uh, even though somebody could replicate it and spin up a different instance. So the Loopring Exchange is like one central server for its uh, for its matching engine. Is that is that where the logic is held there? Okay, so like yeah, what, what, so it's it's a non-custodial exchange, right? With extremely strong assurances that users will always be able to receive their funds. However, uh, a nation state could come down and say like, hey, you got to turn that server off. Exactly. Uh, perfectly put. Um, our, I like to say sometimes to, to the layman or, or a little more than layman, we are Coinbase Pro or Kraken or Binance, but can never touch your funds uh, mm -hmm. at all. Uh, mm -hmm. The site, the UI could go down and maybe like we'll stop servicing you one day because we mm -hmm. have to, but you will always be able to retrieve your fund. You, you right. said it perfectly. That's it. Is that also true for the pay side of things? Yes. hundred uh, percent. hundred percent. Okay. And then, so like, say that does happen. Uh, and so like, a biggest, the biggest moat that any exchange has is like liquidity, right? So when it comes to, if, if you somehow turn this into a game of cat and mouse, where you want to spin up your exchange some, somewhere else outside of the, the jurisdiction that shut you down, how easy is it to get that all that same liquidity back? All, all those like participants is are you just kind of to start from scratch again or is there something some trick up your sleeve that you can port that liquidity over yeah uh really good question i think like, i may misspeak here but it's i think the truth lies somewhere in the middle like so liquidity it, it will be annoying to have to respin up and liquidity will die because there's no mm -hmm. one like it'll just be idle there so we can leave but in the same way that you could like port Bitcoin's UTXO set mm -hmm. at a certain point of time, you could also do that from like the Merkle tree account mm -hmm. balances and do it in the new instance. I, I could be slightly wrong there, but like, yeah, you could, again, the data lives on Ethereum. You can say, hey, mm -hmm. before every shit went wrong, this was the state of the world. And now here we are again in, in this new Merkle tree. But that might cost the operator a lot of money to like mm -hmm. recreate a Merkle tree with all these balances. Right. 
Um, so I, I, it's not a, it's not like, oh yeah, we'll handle that in stride. It's not a good thing, but it's mm -hmm. not, um, it's not devastating from the operational point of view. And it's certainly not devastating from the fact that all users get their money back for sure. Right. Yeah. Can you assign a new operator? Yes. Before shutting down? Oh, um, so this might be, this is like a tech, like, so right now, like the loop ring exchange mm -hmm. operator is specified as a contract, which mm -hmm. is like the relayer. It's a contract. I'm mm -hmm. not sure how you could like switch that so easily, like, like, like assign a new one. Maybe that's, mm -hmm. um, that's not able to do, but in, in the model that I'm describing in the open operator model, the contract, like the operator itself is not a single address. It's a smart contract. With its mm -hmm. own, it's kind of like you could kind of think about the same concept of like what you could do with like an externally owned account, right? Right, 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 wallet. Like, right. So you could plug and play like that. Okay, so okay, so that there's some sort of like anti fragility option there as well. Yes, and certainly like right now we're on Loopring v three point one, where the operator of like Loopring Exchange is just this contract, but we are like really moving at a fast pace toward. the opera jack and anti-fragility um there with uh with version 3.6 which is coming out and um yeah i guess like yeah i'll, I'll leave i'll leave it there it, it, that, that's a fair way so the different versions are new smart contracts that leverage the batching protocol is that correct uh different smart contracts and different zero knowledge circuits in many cases it need not be like both so what's the zero knowledge circuit? Does that require trusted setup? In our case, yes, it does. So here's actually I should have mentioned this as another like potentially bad thing. Like you have to the cryptography we use and the proving system we use, like we use Groth 16, which is not one of these universal um, trustless setup things. It's um, a trusted setup. We ran one. Um, I guess seven months ago, eight months ago, and a bunch of people participated. You have to trust that, uh, I think it was 18 or 15, I don't want to misspeak, but uh, at least one of them had to act uh, faithfully. We had mostly Ethereum mem community members, uh, but also some others, you know, so, some Bitcoiners or maybe some uh, people that live somewhere in between. Um, you do have to have a new That's the most annoying thing, to be clear. Like for V. 3.6, we have to do another trusted setup, which is an operational headache. We have to have like our chief architect just simply like calling people, hey, it's your turn. Here's the file I upload to you. Give it to me now in 12 hours. And ours are heavy because our circuits are big. Like there's some, like, you know, when you're like, maybe you saw like the tornado cache trusted setup, it was like in browser, like click, like that's so awesome. Ours is like, no, it's like, I don't even understand the requirements of ours. It's like a heavy, you need like lots of compute power lots of ram it's like it's it's fun it's kind of fun because i remember like wrangling people to participate in our trusted setup at uh at eth waterloo and like the pe only people that cared were like the devops people or the people like whoa, whoa that's big like i want to try to tackle that like people tried to like, do it really like fast and efficiently but yeah it, it's it's a process uh, to, to do the trusted setups whenever you need a new zk a zero knowledge circuit Okay, thanks for explaining that. I have one more question. David, do you have anything? And I think we could wrap it up. I, I have one question, but it's unrelated. So so slightly unrelated. I know you guys have a token. I did do zero research on the token. What's the deal with the token? Um, yeah, go from there. Okay. Yeah, this will be the 
potentially harshest of critics. Uh, we'll see. Um, um, Dave is also pretty harsh on unnecessary tokens too. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what your answer is. Okay, good. Well, thankfully I have faith in our model and uh, um, it, it's, it's quite cool. So part A is the, from a user's point of view, a normal LRC holder supporter, uh, they could stake it to earn a part of a protocol fee. Okay, that's the typical or what's becoming a typical DeFi style thing. You stake LRC and you have your share of the protocol fees, which are six basis points just on the trade side right now. Six basis points of any trade that's settled on the Loopring protocol, so from Loopring Exchange or Weedex, uh, goes into the fee vault, which LRC stakers um, have a claim on. Um, right now, there's no there's no protocol fee or fee at all for payments because it's so. Maybe remind me. Maybe we could talk about the figures, how cheap we're talking about actually in a second. But I'll continue answering the token question. So that's the the user side. A Dex owner operator also has to stake LRC. For kind of for kind of those interim periods where I said it's living in the mempool or like some type of annoyance could happen, like I'm you know suppressing your order CK or just being slow. When when Loopring Exchange and when Weedex Exchange spun up their contract, they had to put um, they had to put five hundred thousand LRC on the line. Okay, let's say, and this is like an economic security guarantee before the ultimate cryptographic security guarantee is published to Ethereum. So if I'm being slow or just like misbehaving, but not again, not like the really bad misbehaving of which I can't do, my hands are tied, right? But just be like a poor service level. I actually prefer to call it like a service level guarantee. Like if I try to like revert a block that like I said I was about to publish but didn't, or if I'm being slow, then I get slashed. So it is just an economic bond before the absolute uh, cryptographic uh, finality is put on chain. So. I quite like that, right? You have users that have a bit of a guarantee before the, the batch is, is processed. They know that there's some extra economic guarantee that or deterrent if they don't act. In. So, so that's what that's what LRC does. Uh, that's what LRC does right now. I will make a little uh, caveat here or a little asterisk. Um, this token model was is actually like 11 months old. And we've come a long way since then. Now we have payments. So there's a lot of little nooks and crannies, I think, where payments, where the token could help, uh, you know, in, in the same, like this economic security guarantee that your transaction will be processed by an operator. We could use LRC for that as well. And that like staking round robin mechanism. So there's actually like a blossoming uh, and kind of green field where we could uh, use the token for some extra guarantees. But right now, it's those two sides of staking. Normal users for protocol fees, DEX owners for a, a service level guarantee before the proofs are published. When, you, when the exchange charges that six basis points on a trade, what is that paid in? The six basis points goes, is in whatever token. It goes into the fee vault in whatever token, in, in the buy token of the transaction. Okay. So it's a grab bag. Of, okay. uh, of tokens. Okay, so there's one central pool of assets of many different assets that then the uh, the token has a claim on. Yeah. So like if you're staking in the LRC staking contract, which uh -huh. right now has like 11% of total supply is in there, um, mm -hmm. then it has a claim on that fee vault. But the, the fee vault, uh, just to provide a bit more clarity, 70% of the fee vault get paid to stakers. Mm -hmm. um, Seventy, 10% uh, um, gets burnt. 
and 20% goes into another contract, which is to fund a forthcoming Loopring DAO for when we get into the governance that will be needed. So that like that stake, that vault is actually partly going to stakers, partly getting burnt, partly going to, to fund the, the distributed uh, governance, hopefully. You guys gonna do some uh, liquidity mining mechanism with that fund? Yeah, oh man, yeah. Uh, potentially. You know, it's really funny. We oh, launched boy. we launched liquidity mining like a week before com, yeah. but like the, the old school style, like the Hummingbot style of like, hey, place orders on the order book. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but like place orders on the order book. And we have like this pool of assets that will uh, pay out to people that place re resting limit orders. Like the old, yeah, like the Hummingbot style liquidity mining. And then that week, liquidity farming became a huge thing. We got like so lost in the in the dust on that. <laughs> you know, like, hey, there's also like, you could trade here and also get some type of yield. But um, yeah, that, that's besides the point. So I guess kind of on that tip, like how, how was LRC token distributed in the first place? What's the deal with the supply? Um, if you do add in the governance, is that governance for the central the centralized loopering uh, relayer or is it for the actual protocol? Like, let's get into that kind of stuff. I know we're, we're definitely diving down a, a, a well here. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a very interesting topic in my mind. Uh, I, first of all, I don't think it can be for the off-chain prover thing, right? That's like living in the real world. Um, okay. You could try to map some type of governance and be like, hey, but it would just be like signaling at the end of the day because if we somebody forget we but if some other operator wants to change things like they will it's just okay. it's off chain that makes sense but yeah like but they could govern certain of those parameters that we've lightly touched on like how quickly could does a block need to be submitted right what is that cadence maybe we do mandate that it's uh, maybe the, the, it's 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 five minutes or it's a uh, it's a uh, uh, hundred ethereum blocks like right they could configure that or they could configure how much does a dex need to stake Right, it used to be five hundred thousand dollars. Now it's a million. Right, we want mm -hmm. more skin in the game. So anything like on chain, they could um, they could configure um, or could become governable parameters. Back to the to the token sale, I'm not sure I have like um, much uh, you know interesting to say there. It was like the average 2017. Uh, well, I shouldn't say the average because there were some like terrible ones it was in the good bucket so it was, it was uh, an yeah, ICO good distribution it was an ico distribution uh 20 was for the team that was locked up for two years so we're let we're three years old right now that was locked up for two years that came that started to vest a year ago over a, another two-year um time horizon so one out of 24 every month uh 124 every month so that has been vested. technically half of that has been vested right now we have not, though, what has become vested, we have taken and not sold uh, and restaked into the open staking contract uh -oh. where everywhere I have taken our, our uh, restaked it with uh, with everybody. Sorry, did I get cut off there? I'm not. Yeah, uh, just a little bit, but you're back. Yeah. So what, what has, not that this deserves some award or anything, but just to, you know, signal our faith in the project. What has come due vesting, we have restaked into like the, the normal staking contract with everybody, which by the way, isn't an objective good thing, like, or isn't a strictly good thing because that means we're actually crowding out other users for the claim on rewards. Uh, so some people may not like that. They, might, they, they may wish that we'd take out our stake and, and, and get rid of it, but like, 
you know, we, we actually want to earn our own protocol fees as well. We, we believe in the project, so we're there. Cool. Matt, thank you for, uh, for coming on the podcast and kind of hashing out these details. Um, it's definitely like these things are a lot more nuanced than they appear on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So uh, thanks for coming on and, and clearing things up. Uh, for people who want to find you and learn more about yourself and Loopring, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you, CK. I appreciate that. Um, uh, you could find me on Twitter at Finestone Matt. That's my last name, and then Matt Finestone Matt, or at Loopring.org on Twitter. I guess that's where most things happen. I'm starting to get more active there now that there's you know more interesting combos to have, such as the one that started this off. I'm, I'm, I'm more <laughs> active there, but um, yeah, guys, thank you. It was, a, it was a pleasure to be on. I hope it shed. So let me let me maybe I could end with a question here. What is your you know, this all got started with, with your, you know, wanting to hash it out. How does, how do the chips lie right now to you, CK, uh, specific, and David, please, but yes, yeah, CK. You're muted, Christian. In terms of comparing it to Lightning Network, uh, I don't think you can really compare because Lightning Network is an actual network of nodes right now. Um, you know, there's nothing I can say that, you know, definitively this will not continue to, you know, become adopted in the Ethereum community. So maybe that will happen. Uh, I don't know yet, but it's it's clearly not, you know, a network of thousands of nodes, mm-hmm. you know, participating together to create a censorship-resistant network that just hasn't been created yet. So, I mean, it's yeah. interesting, and I'm, I'd love to learn more. Uh, there's little things about ZK Snarks and... Uh, that I'm not technical enough to understand. There's a boogie word of trusted setup, so I don't really know like how much to care about that, but I guess it's not 100% trustless. I don't know. That's my impression. Yeah, I've never really thought that that trusted setups are really that 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 big of a deal because it seems trivially trivially easy to generate a trusted setup that is just overly complex to where the point where it's you can basically assume that the trust is gone and that's a pretty good assumption. To me, to me, it's the central server that that really questions my ability to scale this thing, right? Because like the like the definition of centralized is a central server, right? And so. Um, when it comes to like robustness and long-term long-term planning and and nation-state resistance, that trusted that server uh, is is a huge liability, right? Now, so it's not it's a, it's a liability for the protocol, but not for nothing else, which is a huge value add, right? So like users' funds are never threatened, and so no one should ever really feel insecure about using a central server, which is the beauty of Loopring. But when it comes to like how guessing like is this thing going to be around in 50 years 100 years like that's it's a little bit more fragile because of that one central server right right um i agree 100 percent. well well said by both of you um and i'm actually you know to be able to push back on that last one i'm happy we will have this open operator model for payments it doesn't even need to be by the way like oh there's a network of nodes running i i think that it could be as easy as like if no on the payment side if like nobody is submitting your block that like you're waiting for then you Mm -hmm. can do it it's just like Mm -hmm. you will be submitting but you might lose some of the scalability gains at that point because like Mm -hmm. you're not set up for it right you're exactly you're not like set up to aggregate all of the other four thousand people Mm -hmm. with you you're just like gonna make sure that you get into the into the queue like you'll have Mm -hmm. to pay for that ability so there will be that like that extra toughness but um yeah 
fair points by both of you. That's what I like to say sometimes. You, on the exchange side of things, uh, and up until this point, you could think of Loopring as a centralized exchange with its mm -hmm. hands hands tied and cannot har harm your funds. Uh, yeah. And that might, as much as it may pain us, like uh, decentralized focused people, that's a more palatable uh, proposition to to people, um, you know, who 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 could understand it uh, quicker. I would like to see a version of now wait for Matt to come back. Yeah. Th thanks. There we go. I would like to see a version of loopring exchange where like the server, the node, the node operators are, is dictated by the, um, the LRP token stakers, LRP token, right? LRC. LRC, <laughs> excuse me. LRC, the LRC token token stakers. I don't know if that's technically feasible, but that sounds like a, a great way to kind of generate robustness in that and decentralize that, that node operator. Yeah, absolutely. I actually bug our architect on that all the time. Hey, could could we? Uh, could we I'm sure it? I'm not the first person to think of that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what I mean when I say like, okay, I like our our token. I think it has mm -hmm. cool uses for a normal user and the deck side. But like, we're actually just getting to a point where um, you know we could use it for for that type of thing. Their, their stake, right? Maybe their their ability to submit blocks mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. proportional proportionate to their stake in the game, right? right? Just like just like Ethereum 2.0 staking. You can, exactly. you can even use like the beacon chain for randomness for slot selection. All right, guys. This okay, is a fun yeah, rip. <laughs> thanks for explaining it all, and thanks for going on the tangents. Uh, you guys can find yeah. the show at POV CryptoPod. You can find me at CK underscore Snarks David. You can find me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. Thanks, Matt, for coming on. Also, Thank come back. Guys. Go for it, Matt. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it was enjoyable. Thanks. Also, Cheers. come back in 30 minutes. Colin Harper is coming on. We're doing a doubleheader tonight. Yeah, if he replies. Oh, damn. Colin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, All right. Thanks, Matt.